0: Hey, everyone, this is Cameron from Renegade Animation on RenegadePopCulture.com. If you like what we do, please give us a like, a follow, and a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. That way, we can keep doing what we love, and that's tackling the winter anime season. Again,
1: for now, on with the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. Joining me, as always, is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And we've got Haley. Yo. And Teresa. Hello. And it's time, once again, for the Winter 2023 Anime Impressions. We have what, 15 shows? We got a couple of comedy romance titles and a lot of action. Probably too much action, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For now, we have to start with... Cameron, why don't you tell us what we're stepping into?
0: Okay, so we're about to step into the comedy romance section, and we got a few titles here. First up, Onimai, I'm Now Your Sister, about a young adult man who gets turned into a middle school girl by his sister to get rid of his depression and bond as siblings we then have the angel next door spoils me rotten which is about the blooming friendship between two students who go to the same school and like coincidentally live next to one another we also have the popular tomo chan is a girl which is about a tomboy who wants to confess her feelings for her best martial arts friend, but he he is just too dense to realize that she's confessing, and he wants to, but he's also worried about their friendship. Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, which is about a male student who feels so invisible to everyone, except for one single female student. We then also have our young adult romance anime of the season, Friggin' Finally, with the ice guy and his cool female colleague which is about a young man who's descended from a snow spirit who works at this office with a really cool, normal human colleague. And the office also has a bunch of other descendants of spirits working there. And then Endo and Kobayashi Live, which is about two friends who do basically a let's play on an otome romance visual novel game. And they find out that their words are heard by the main character within the game. Listen, anime industry, it's okay to not adapt the Lolicon stuff with Onimai. Talk about one of the most talented group of animators at any studio in the industry with Studio Bind, the jobless reincarnation people, and blow all that talent away on very creepy, just unnerving nonsense. Um, what did y'all think about the comedy romance category for this season? Teresa, let's start with you.
2: It wasn't the worst. I don't know what
3: that's uh, <laughs> <the worst>. Damning <laughs> it with faint <fake> praise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I liked more of them than I usually do. But when it was bad, it was really extremely bad, where I was like, why was this even made? This is. Protagmatic. I wanted to cover my eyes a lot during Omni. It's just the sisters committing a crime against a brother, and that's the whole premise of the show. So, like, you just gotta call the whole thing off, in my opinion. The angel, like, there's some that were just like, I get it by the title, and it's okay. There was nothing wrong with the animation or anything like that. But I also was like, this is gonna go on forever, isn't it? (laughs) Is what I think. But on the other hand, it's like, it's just something about the tone. It's just like too monotone and too, she made me food. It's amazing. But then like Tomo-chan as a girl is good because there's like humor. And I like the side characters as much as the main characters. And it's just a stronger character study that's more like unique overall. That's why I want to watch more of it. Kubo was in a similar vein. Like, I like the character study. I like to know, like, why are these people brought together? But in The Angel, I'm like, it's cool that she likes his cooking. But, like, I like the food animation more than, like, the romance. So that's probably not a good sign. Um, And very similar for Endo and Kobayashi. I just felt like this is a good pairing and they're completely clueless. I maybe it's something about Tomy games. I just they're too silly the, like all the magic system stuff. I was like, I'm not gonna remember any of these people's names. And I like that they're talking to them, they're trying to make the Tommy games like it, the premise better and turn it on his head. But then at the end, I was like, I actually don't care that they can talk to them. I thought it was stronger than seasons past, but clear winner for me was Toma Chan is a girl for sure overall. So, yeah, and the ice guy, he is adorable. With his snowman. I want him to just have snowman fits the the whole episode. I, that's definitely my number two. But there's something about it got a little repetitive by the third episode. But the cool female, she's a good foil. I mean, it's more supernatural. So, I mean, I'm always going to like something that's more supernatural. With Phoenix friends in the next episode I saw. For four. So there's going to be more like supernatural people to, to talk to the ice guy. So it's cool. We have no idea what the hell their business is and what is this company i know it shouldn't we're matter going to retreat what what are they even good at at work like i have no we idea we were
3: trying so hard to figure this out Teresa and i <laughs> like in yeah, the treat up so we're like there's a, a graph there's a graph and you can't read the graph so you're like damn it <laughs> like,
2: business It's business. That's what it is. Literally, it's
3: like they're doing Unikitty's business, business, business as a business. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
2: But again, it's a character study and it's like a whole new world that I'm like super jazzed to know what's more of. So
3: yeah, those are my thoughts.
0: Very cool. Uh, Haley, what did you think about the comedy romance section?
3: So I do kind of agree with Teresa that I feel like and especially with the comedy romance but just a lot of stuff that we watched for this episode that a lot of it is just inert and slow like i actually enjoyed the angel next door spoils me rotten more than i thought i was going to but by the middle of episode three i was like god this could use something to get it going same with kubo won't let me be invisible and the Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague. The Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague, I would say, was better than the other two to some degree, but every still from that show kind of looks like it's from the 80s, and it is just, it gets repetitive real quick. I want to know more about the snowmen in it, though. Kubo had the interesting problem of, Not liking anything to do with the title character, I found her deeply irritating. They might as well have called this show Manic Pixie Dream Girl Fawns Over Mob for no discernible reason, because that's basically what it is. She doesn't have enough of a personality beyond Manic Pixie Dream Girl for her to be interesting for me. And I think her interactions with the lead, whose name I wrote down many times, Shirashi, aren't all that compelling. The parts where Shirashi is just trying to be noticed by anybody who's not Kubo are absolutely hilarious. I wish this show was more like a four-panel gag-a-minute type comedy of Shirashi trying to live in a town where nobody sees him. That would have been that would have been right up my alley. My favorites, my favorites of the bunch for sure, were Tomo-chan as a girl and endo and kobayashi live endo and kobayashi live worked really well for me because i've played so many of these damn otome games that all kind of have similar plots and they do a really good job of making fun of this kind of stuff like they have every character archetype like perfectly nailed including precocious younger person to imprint on and problematic adult teacher romance which was freaking hilarious to me the way that the first episode has, like, the title screen animation where all the marketing pictures pop up onto the screen before the game starts, and then there's, like, music, and then the title pops up. I'm like, someone really knows what they're doing with this. And it's just a really fun premise. Now, that could spin out of control, and by the end of episode two, it seemed like it kind of was, and I'm like, oh, is everyone just going to get the blessing? That kind of kind of removes the dramatic tension of this show if everyone can hear our two leads, but I'm going to trust that they don't do that and just kind of limit it to the handful that they have so far. tomo is a girl is kind of, on the other hand, is really familiar with the anime tropes that it's making fun of. And it kind of works because everyone is varying degrees of just terrible. They're anime dorks up to 10,000 like if play- the show played any of this like straight, I'd be sitting here going like, Yeah, well, the girl is beating up on the guy, you know, we've seen that so many times in Love you know, before, and then there's kind of like a satanic best friend. Oh boy, I wonder where they got that from. It's Michu Joe. But like they're so exaggerated. Like Tomo is poor Tomo, man. Like she's kind of stuck with like the worst best friend, the most clueless well, not inadvertently clueless, best friend. She now has a new blonde friend who's just like the rudest person on earth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where I enjoy watching, seeing how things spiral further out of control for these people. Saved the worst for last. Only my, say one of the most completely irredeemable things we've ever watched. I watched this with Teresa and now we're both on a list, unfortunately. <laughs> um... <laughs> but. Awesome rest. So I'm not going to put aside that this is a show entirely devoted to sexualizing a 12-year-old. It's one of the things I had said in the group chat was it's like if your creepy uncle wrote the care and keeping of you. um, Oh, God. (laughs) Which is sadly accurate. But the thing is, even if this wasn't about lovingly detailing sexual poses for a 12-year-old, The premise of this show is that a super genius high school girl drugs her layabout brother to transform him into a 12 year old so she can then grope and sexually harass and outright assault him at times. This is only the first episode, by the way, Well on the first episode to, quote unquote, cure his depression like this is deeply unpleasant on so many levels that it's almost remarkable. Like, the only thing this is missing is graphic violence. You know, like, there's something in this to offend almost everyone who hasn't had their brain totally rotted by anime. This is the kind of show that if it had any sort of mainstream contact, like if somehow the mainstream became aware of it, there may not be an anime industry the next day in America. Like, this is truly disgusting. I think this is the worst thing we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, considering that we've watched stuff like Etitan Deities and Redo of Healer, that's saying something. And X arm, so
3: For me, this doesn't even have the excuse that like Redo of Healer did though, where it was like, This is porn. I'm not into this porn. This is dangerous. <laughs> like just actively
2: like unpleasant. We, and... yeah, the implications of the whole thing is just so icky.
3: Yeah, it's like Redo of Healer is wearing pretty hard on its sleeve. That like, this guy's a piece of shit. Look how he's going to kill everybody. It's like, okay, okay, you're appealing to somebody here. This is sinister, almost, where it's like, look at this sister who cares so much about her brother. She's going to turn him into a 12-year-old, endlessly sexualize him, grope him, and then teach him how to live a normal life. And it's like, that's...
0: You went a few steps too many to try to cure your brother's
1: depression. Let's just say that.
3: (laughs) And it's also like, she says cure his depression, but it seems like she's just mad that he's a shut-in who plays video games all day. And it's like, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up on this show. Where the fuck is anybody's parents?
1: Right? That's what I was wondering.
3: If I was this girl's mother, or both of these girls' mothers at this point, I would genuinely have called the cops on my own child. Like, that, I would have been, like, my daughter's irredeemable. She drugged my son, turned him into a 12-year-old, and is now parading him around in, like, skimpy bras and sheer clingy dresses. Like, this is... She cannot be helped. She needs to go
0: to prison. They're probably... The parents are probably, like, way off, like, right at the end of, like, where the camera is, but the camera is, like, always positioned, like, they're off-screen, so...
3: (laughs) The wild thing is, every other show this season, where I would be like, where the hell are the parents? The parents are there, and they actually play into the plot. Parents show up in Angel Next Door spoils me rotten. The male lead's mom is a piece of shit. Tomo Chan is a girl. The parents are very involved. Kubo won't let me be invisible. Shirashi's mom can see him. Ice Guy, they're adults. Endo and Kobayashi, most of it takes place at school, so we'll see the parents eventually, I'm sure. Like... The one show where I would have been like, I want to know what the hell these parents are thinking. They're not here.
1: (laughs) I think I was generally okay to positive on it from the most part. It's just, Onumai is, let's just say it belongs in the Hall of Shame. Next to titles like X arm Redo of Healer. There's another one, I can't remember the, the title of it, but it's just that bad. It's fundamentally awful in ways that it absolutely did not need to be there's a huge jump in quality between that and the angel next door spoils me rotten which is just fine we've seen these kind of like kind of will they won't they romance shows a million times before but i will agree the food does look delicious i think my favorite one is probably tomo chan is a girl and I say that as someone who watched the dub, and the dub is amazing. I love all the characters. I think, what's her name? uh, Carol, who was introduced in episode two. She brings, like, all of the chaos, and the show only gets better from there. And then Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible is, it's pretty good. It's not quite as good as, like, some of the other shows from the last couple years. Like, Come we Can't Communicate, Don't Tease Me. Uh, Nagatoro. Yeah, that's the one.
3: I genuinely wish that had more, this had the kind of spice that Nagatoro does, but that's
1: so subjective. So this is like, like the mild version of that and probably would have been better if it had a little bit more momentum. I still enjoyed it. Um, fine. Kind of like what you said, Cameron, in your tutorial, it should not feel this refreshing that we get one rom-com with actual adults. And yes, it is kind of funny that where they work is so nondescript, but I also kind of get that it has nothing to do with the plot. It's just a setting for these characters to interact in. Even during the retreat, there's no clue of what exactly they do. But it's fine because you're just there to watch the characters interact. And it is kind of cute to see our lead get all worked up over like everything. The biggest surprise of this genre was Endo and Kobayashi Live, which I feel works on like at least three different levels. If you like Otomi games, then this is like a a nice send up, that genre of, of storytelling. But if you don't like them, then it is kind of fun to watch these two, especially Endo, who has like no interest in these whatsoever, actually start to influence the events that are happening in the game. And then like the actual story of the game could have been compelling without the real world. I think overall, kind of surprised by, like, the comedy romance stuff. I wish we had a little bit more of, like, the Chan's something that's, like, genuinely good throughout its first three episodes. But I'm happy that there's only one that I, like, actually hated.
0: Onimai does not get better as time goes on. There's, like, false sense of, like, progression in the second episode where it's like, okay, they're kind of toning down the fan service. Like, well, that's what you think at first. And it's like, okay, it's about the siblings bonding again. And I would be down for that kind of show. We've had anime where it's about siblings who reconnect and grow like a stronger familial connection. You don't need all the lolicon stuff. And before anyone tries to freaking say it's not lolicon, the poses, the immense amount of detail that they put our main character on like with the outfits that they are trying on she's fucking it's, drawn prepubescently
3: yeah like, pretty much she has a little stuck out stomach and pigeon toes like it's horrifying
0: it's creepy it's so gross and the fact that so many anime fans are trying to defend this and die on a hill for it's like you could watch other shows and die on a hill for at least I would get Jobless Reincarnation. I don't get the Defense Force for this one. And by the third episode, when they start introducing, by the way, by the third episode, I started to realize that there's also like a peeing thing by then. So it's just like, it's just okay. It's like all the goodwill that they could have built up from episode two just kind of dies within the first five seconds of the third episode. It's just like these character designs are look so like middle school and yet they give some of the friends like very absurd body types like if you only watched one or two episodes of this thank god you didn't go to episode three or else we would have just been like okay screw it just delete all anime off the internet
1: (laughs) here's how bad onamai is normally i try to watch all three episodes for these podcasts and the only reason I won't is either the dub isn't finished, or I just fucking can't. Onimai is the latter. I just fucking couldn't.
0: It's so bad. Just like, just don't be creepy. It's like people are like, yeah. well, they they like it in Japan. It's like no, they don't.
3: Let's pretend for a second that this high school girl turns her brother into an adult woman. Who is this for? Still, like who? What target audience Mm. is thinking, yeah, I definitely want to watch an anime about a teenager who drugs her older brother, switches his gender, and gropes him? Like, who is this for? Sociopaths? Like, I just don't know what target audience could possibly be, like, finally, the date rape gender transformation anime of my dreams. Like, come
0: on! And so many people (laughs) are trying to put it up, like, saying, like, yeah, but... You could look at it through a trans lens, and I'm not- I'm Oh, not no, trans. you can't. No, no you not can't. at all. You can't do that. And if, if your definition of trans comes by way of Ron DeSantis, maybe Jesus. The angel next door that me rotten, I just got bored. It just wasn't interesting to me. I didn't find their romance compelling because we know what's going to happen. There's nothing wrong- with being unoriginal, but you have to execute it in a way that makes it compelling, and it's a very lifeless-looking show, just very stilted, very uninteresting with the designs and such. I get what they're trying to do with it, but if I'm going to watch a low-fi anime rom-com this season, I'm going to turn to the other one that's in this category. Tomo-chan is a girl I did have a lot of fun with. I love the character interactions. I'm glad that they toned down the sexual gags for this one a little or at least more than you can say where it's like, whoa, that wasn't distracting at all because they could have. They could have amped it up, but they didn't, and I was kind of happy for that. I wish the animation was better. I feel like the jokes would have hit a little harder, but I do love the third wheel friend who is just like, God made me live through another day on this planet. And I'm going to make it everyone's problem. That is exactly her goal in life. She's gonna make every day everyone else's problem.
1: And- I love that she
3: started bonding with Carol too. That just seems like they're gonna rob a bank
0: together or something.
1: <laughs> I would love to see that.
0: And I love yeah. Carol where where she's just like, Hi, hey hello everyone. Oh, are you the bad guy? Well, I must kill you. Huh? I'm joking. Bye. And it's just everyone is just like what the hell just happened? I blinked for a second and I have no idea what happened. Kubo won't let me be invisible. It's like we're getting all these Komi-Can't-Communicate style shows because Komi-Can't-Communicate like is like one of the most popular manga right now. And I thought it was cute. Yeah, I think the male leads antics are a little more interesting if like just by himself. And yeah, Kubo doesn't really have too much of a personality to differentiate herself. I did get a kick out of the joke where she's like, If it makes you feel better, I don't know the answer to the next one. And the teacher's just like, all right, Kubo, why don't you answer this next one? Which it was like one of the few times where her trolling antics towards the lead gets her in hot water. It's very cute. I wish there was a little more to it, but I think Pine Jam did a very solid job making this cute show look good and vibrant. The manga's simplistic art style works really well. It's like simplistic art styles seem to gel more with me i guess that's why i like science saru and what was that one that studio wit does uh ranking of kings i wish there was more of that because it gives anime like this a more distinct look i loved the ice guy and his cool female colleague because i love anime like which is like to me my young adult rom-com the king of that kind of show and i like how he's not the only one there who has mystical descendants and such. And I kind of like the metaphorical and literal sense of his ice powers. Like I love like when the snow starts like going fast and furious when he's excited or nervous and it's not just him. It affects everyone in there. And did y'all notice that their boss is a Buddha? And I love that his female colleague, she's just a human. I like that this world is just like, oh yeah, there are, humans that are descended from spirits cool no need to explain it more i will say this probably has my favorite opening of any of the anime this season so far
1: the opening is a buff
0: yeah just a killer opening song and like i said with the whole metaphorical and literal use of his powers like when he melts and he turns into a child it's just like there's a lot of ways you can look at this show I don't think it's as good as Wotokoi, but if you need like something similar to it or Horamiya or something like that, I definitely recommend it. Endo and Kobayashi Live is surprising to me because I feel like someone must have had this idea and I'm shocked it didn't happen sooner. Like Let's Plays and YouTube videos of like gameplay footage are well known now. There are multiple people who make livings off of Let's Play videos and such why did it take so long for an anime to run with this premise of our two leads commentating over it? And I love the whole realization that the main character in the game can hear them because he has the most precise reaction to it. He's like, Oh my gosh, is that you God? (laughs) I like how much he's like, okay, what do I need to know? And then they tell him and he's like, okay. And then it, either spirals out of control, but works itself out later. And by the third episode, I like that they're starting to build upon the actual human characters. Because I do think for this to work, like if you're going to be making fun of or observing let's plays, you got to make the human characters interesting. And I like that we're diving a little bit into the male's past with his baseball injury and why he's, friends with this one girl and like it's just very cool and it's very creative and i'm not laughing at all times but i am consistently charmed by it and i hope that the show works and to be clear like the uh, the worrying of like the blessing and such they don't continue that into the third episode so they're not like gonna make everything like oh amazing and such they're having to take they're starting to have to get strategic about it because they realize that there's no like safe state you know other gaming lingo and stuff like that where whatever decisions
1: they do when playing the game are permanent that's the part i think makes this more interesting the fact that they can't like start over or anything like the game is kind of just become like its own little world exactly
0: yeah so I think the comedy romance is maybe a B- minus, just because it's dragged all the way down by Onimai. There's just no getting around it. I really wish there was just people not defending Onimai. I don't get it. So I think my favorite was Indo and Kobayashi and the ice guy and his cool female colleague. Now for action, I had to be kind of like pick and choose with this one because... The action adventure and the fantasy Isekai categories were abundant this season, and I had to pick and choose what I considered fantasy, what I I considered Isekai, and what is action. So it's not perfect. Don't get on my case about it, because at one point you realize, oh, fantasy, action, Isekai are all going to blend together in one way or another. First up, we have the Ice Blade Sorcerer Shall Rule the World, which is about a normal student who goes to a magic school, and then it turns out that he actually has powers. Who could have seen that coming? Then we have Spy Classroom, which is about a group of girls who were quote-unquote rejects from their academies as they team up to take on missions. Ayakashi Triangle is the, a story about the budding romance relationship between a ninja who takes care of Ayakashi and his childhood friend who wants to communicate and bond and not get them killed. And after an incident, it gender flips the ninja lead into a girl. And okay, (laughs) we'll get into that. The reincarnation of the strongest exorcist in another world is about a Japanese exorcist who gets reborn in a more medieval European setting. Only for the twist to be is his parents think he's powerless, magicless, but he's just carrying the spirits and magic from his past life in the past country into here. So it, it just works differently than the magic system here or like in the main setting. Ningen Fushin, or Adventurers Who Don't Believe in Humanity Will Save the World, is about a ragtag team of rejected adventurers who find common ground with one another and decide to form a party. Reborn to Master the Blade, from Hero King to Extraordinary Squire. Yeah, it's an isekai about a king who passes away, but yearns to be reborn so he can become a knight instead of, you know, a king, and turns into a... Of course, a cute anime girl, because, you know, you can't turn into like an armadillo or a tomato in another life or something like that.
3: Do not will I was reborn as a tomato in another world into this world, okay?
0: (laughs) And then Giant Beasts of Ours is a original anime. It's a co-production between Asahi Productions and High Dive about a world where the land is constantly ravaged by giant monsters and it's up to people called paladins with their clerics to take care of them we have handyman Saito in another world which is a well it's an izakai about a workman or you know handyman who gets transported to a fantasy world and is basically the thief of this one random ragtag group of adventurers and then we have Trigun Stampede, the reimagining of the classic 90s manga and anime series with a gorgeous animation by Studio Orange about a mysterious young man named Bash Stampede who is considered one of the biggest threats on this desert Mad Max world and the mysteries that revolve around him and a mysterious entity who is his brother. Yeah, I had to put in a few izakais here because if we did this next episode, it would be like its own episode. Uh, kind of hit and miss here with this one. I, I feel like action anime is more hit and miss than any other genre. Teresa, what did you think about some of these shows?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair to say that action is pretty hit or miss. Just some of the premises don't work. I would say my least favorite, Well, I'll say my favorite is Trigun. I love the original. I love the art and just re-envisioned of everything. It's exactly what I want from action anime of like, I need a little mystery. I obviously need lots of action and I want to know what happens next. And that's exactly why I watched it first and it it did not disappoint. Ayakashi, it should be fine until the gender swap. And... Then I'm like, what the hell is this now? Because um, I thought the cat demon was like funny and cute, but also evil. I was like, yes, I like this. I'm on board. And then it just goes in weird thighs and weird boobs and groping yourself, using the cat to cover up the nudity. And it all just goes wrong. So, so wrong. Like if they took all of that out, I liked these characters. I like the story. I just, when like, when it's like naked time or boob time, I'm like, why? why are we going here? Cause it has a good premise of two characters who like each other kind of have a, it's a physical conflict and you know, they have to figure it out and you know, they show their backstories and I think that's great. It's just the execution is too pervy for me, but you know, if that's your bag, okay, but it's not mine. A surprising one would be Reborn to the Master Blade. There's still some every little bit of boob stuff. But overall, I like the political plot. I like like now it's a woman kicking ass. Like a kid from the start is is amazing Um, with this isekai. It's an isekai I can finally get on board with. And I liked, you know, where it left off Um, in the third episode. So I still don't understand all these runes. There's a little like world logic that takes a little bit. I think it's worth watching. It's one I would recommend besides Trigon, My favorite would be the giant beast of ours. I love the animation again. It's a whole new world. This magic system that takes a paladin and a cleric together to defeat monsters. Like who doesn't love that people kicking monster ass. That's what I want to see in my action. Like if you like Pacific Rim, things like that, I feel like you get on board with the show. I like all the side characters. I even like the monsters, like the designs, like look like elephants. They look like hogs. This is really interesting. I want to see what happens next. Um, And then the ones that are either just okay or very boring. I feel like it's the padding curse of they just have to put out more anime. So I guess this premise is fine. The Ninden Fushin. I like this premise, but it's odd. They've kind of thrown their whole lives for some of these. And then The whole priest story, backstory, I was like, what is this? Why? They're just going to believe this one girl with no proof. And then I was just like, they just have to move the plot along. But I love the dragon girl story and she's a great character. So you know, I might keep watching it, but I feel like the tone is got a little bit off and it's trying to work itself out. And the tone went real far down when they did the pre-story and it was kind of hard to circle back. But in the third episode, you know, it was a little bit stronger. By Classroom, I feel like they're trying to age up the girls because they're like about to graduate. So they're not child assassins. They're like teenager, young adult assassins. So that's cool. I like spies. I like that they kept saying impossible mission. I wonder if they were worried about being sued by Mission Impossible. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, impossible mission. That's one way of saying it. I like the setup of the world. I mean, it is very like, I tricked you. you thought I was going along with it?" No, I wasn't. So, it got a little repetitive, but it was it was all right. My least favorite is the Ice Blade Sorcerer after Ayakashi because I literally fell asleep twice. And I was like, I don't care about anything that's happening in the show. And it's very repetitive in the message of like, commoners can do things too. And then actually he's he's the spy and he's, you know, got a secret and he's gonna remember. but I was like, I actually don't care about the I'd rather be asleep right now. So take that for you. The dub was good, drawn well, but the plot itself, I was like, I just don't care how this works out um but that maybe that's my personal taste the strongest exorcist same vibe he should not be the main character the girl should be the main character the setup was kind of strong about you know a pupil coming to get the master and then he's reincarnated but the the family he's born into the entire family sucks like worst dad wouldn't let him learn wants to keep his son down then he has to blow up like I don't even remember what that monster was—the biggest thing ever—and save a town. He's like, I guess you could learn magic. I mean, you must have some talent. I'm like, what is with this dude? And then his brother is just a psychopath. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I need this. It was okay drawing. Well, I was not as impressed with that monster drawing and that monster design though. But overall, when it again it, when it's strong, it's really strong. Handyman side two, I liked. I thought that was finally an interesting isekai that i want to get behind i did not understand the random characters that were brought in if it all comes together please please tell us mike and cameron but i was like i can't keep watching to figure out if all these little side vignettes actually make sense but when it's the handyman and the funny wizard that reminds me of the wizard from Faraway paladin i really liked it um i love the elf girl i mean the, the main strong characters were good but the side characters kept confusing and i was like where are the other people? Why are we talking about these other things? So, I don't know. It was meandering for me.
0: Teresa, how is anyone in the Iceblade Sorcerer supposed to know that the person is normal and that it's okay to be normal if they don't shove it in your face every five seconds? That, like, one, that one guy is psychotic. He's just like, he's like yeah. the jock from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. Normal! How
1: dare you be normal? I
0: hate normal people. Like Gaston
2: from Beauty and the Beast. He's like the jerk guy. But I'm just like, (laughs) you aren't even that talented. Why? Like, why don't you focus on yourself? Make yourself better. (laughs) They need a dynamic, I guess.
0: No, Haley. What did you think about the action category? The
3: action overall. I think if Trigun wasn't in this batch, this is one of the most dire slates of action shows we've had. I will caveat this with I did not get time to get to The Giant beast of Ours, which does sound like something right up my alley. I was saving it for last for that reason, but then just did not end up with enough time to watch it before this. But everything that remains was either actively boring me or actively irritating me. And I'm going to start with Spy Classroom, because I would say that was worse than the one that I stopped watching one episode in, which was that Exorcist one. These titles, by the way. The Reincarnation of the Strongest Exorcist in Another World was just excruciatingly boring. Like, I... It wasn't actively offensive. You've seen this before a billion times, and I think I was annoyed because when I started Exorcist in Another World, it looked like it might actually not be an isekai set in a vaguely fantasy European setting. I was like, oh, an isekai set in, like, a fantastical Japan. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then he's immediately reincarnated into a fantasy European world. And I was just like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> even when the bar is literally rolling along the floor, you can't even clear it. But, you know, <laughs> if you need a sleep aid, uh, Strongest Exorcist in Another World would probably work. But I genuinely found Spy Classroom to be just bereft of quality. I was calling it Spy X Reader in my notes because it, genuinely feels like someone's like retrofitted Aizawa from My Hero Academia slash self-insert fanfic that they publish on Wattpad. It's a mess. Like this is just a full-on mess. It assumes you've never seen Gunslinger Girl and or Assassination Classroom and or Spy X Family because it's basically just elements of all three of those series smashed together with none of the nuance or hooks of those three series none of these girls seem to have names half of them look exactly the same i got through i think two episodes of this before i was like okay i'm i'm pretty done i thought it was really hilarious that the the lead girl's big plan to get her teacher to respect her to me was to poison him in a boat where no one would see him somehow use that as leverage to convince him so disband their group of spies, which they think is being used as sacrificial pawns. And then I guess was just gonna like, dump the body in the ocean or something, in the lake or something. <laughs> like she didn't really think through how she was gonna get out of that. And I'm like, geez, no wonder you almost failed at a spy school, you dipshit. This also feels like it's a bad adaptation of a phone game. I actually looked up if this was a phone game and it's not, which shocks me. Yeah, I just found Spy Classroom to be Terrible. The nice thing about what we're watching outside of Onemai and we're going to get to Ayakashi Triangle is that none of this is like really actively offensive. It's just shovelware. It's just not great. The Ice Blade Sorcerer is only interesting in that it changes its entire plot every episode. It's like they're trying to be every anime for every person. And I'm just like, well, that's not going to help you in the long run. Otherwise, again, tremendously boring. I thought episode two was really funny because it was just so out of nowhere it's a lot of weird queer baiting and then like muscle dudes doing muscular things and building a garden and then they fight pokemon in a forest so like shit not making sense is your bag ice blade sorcerer is totally for you um ayakashi triangle really comes off like like in visual in plot in gags, in music, in kind of its whole construction, it feels like something that should have come out in 2007. Like, it's very of that era. I, I'm familiar with the mangaka. Uh, he did Black Cat, he did Two Love Rue. If you've ever read the behind-the-scenes drama Two Love Rue, the dude's been through a lot. I'm glad that he's in a better place now. But if this manga is the same as this anime, it is dated as hell. And that's not getting into that. It's just very, it starts out as a great shonen show. The first episode with some questionable elements, but you know, a shonen show from 2007, that's kind of how it goes. And then the male lead turns into a female, and then the next two episodes are just straight ogling of boobs, groping of boobs, sex humor, people's underwear falling off, just, you know... It's almost more irritating than it is offensive. You're just like, it's a sex comedy from the mid-2000s. Except it was made this fucking year. I'm shocked this wasn't like a reboot of something that ADV released when I was in high school. If you've been yearning for a show that feels like, if you miss like Strawberry Panic or whatever, I guess this is for you. But it's, I think its biggest crime is that it's just really dated. It doesn't feel modern. It doesn't look modern. The voices are very of that time. This is like if someone made a horny Naruto parody when Naruto was at its peak. It's very
0: weird. Ayakashi Triangle is also one of the victims of being delayed or on hold indefinitely because of COVID-19. So
2: did they have who knows, premise? will
0: this be better or not? Yeah, <laughs> I was like,
2: but did they have this premise before or did they come back and go? You know what we really need to do is. To catch up to the other ones.
0: I looked up a little bit of information about what the themes were for this show, and it's all about romance and love, despite not counting and considering gender. And it's like, I get that. We've seen ton of gender swap anime or rom coms. Like one of the most famous is probably Ranma One Half. Uh-huh. But that one was more of a comedy than like a straight up rom-com. Here, they're trying to build up the romance between our two leads. It doesn't work. It wants to do all these things. It wants to be a Yuri Bates show. It wants to be an etchy fan service show. It wants to be a comedy. It wants to tackle romance through the gender spectrum. And it wants to do all of this when it's not really good at any of it. It's too serious to be funny, too comedy driven to be serious, too horny to be low key. And a romance angle is shot by the fact that this sh- wants to be romantic, but it also wants to be titillating and yeah. it doesn't work. The censorship cats were a little funny and seeing this rage head ninja friend, I don't know how to feel about his like struggle of like, I can't be friends with him anymore. He's a girl now. And the whole joke is he doesn't know how to talk to girls. Okay. But it still also feels very yikes yeah i was like well
2: so you guys just need to get over yourself and just become a lesbian couple or like something
3: that's kind of why i feel like this feels so fucking dated like i could see this being really cutting edge in like 2005 for anime at least not for yeah. you know normal human beings but right, for anime yeah. like did it feels like this dude has had this idea in his back drawer since the 90s and was like Finally, I have the clout to make my magnum opus, Ayakashi Triangle. And no one informed him that, like, there's been so many shows doing this kind of stuff way better (laughs) in the intervening
0: years. (laughs) Right. What did you not like about Ningen Fushin?
3: So, again, for starters, the show is just fucking boring. It's amazing how few of these shows have any kind of compelling pacing or design like, in setting up their plots. Like, I was just kind of shocked. Like, usually, when we're going through the average stuff, at least it just kind of, like, goes by, and you're like, well, it was fine. It was boilerplate. This was staggeringly boring as well. Uh, My main problems with this show were that it's just all over the place tonally. Like, the beginning of this show was actually kind of promising. I liked the idea of an adventurer who after falling on hard times, kind of fell into the idol otaku pop lot pipeline. Like, there's an interesting idea there. Like, I knew that wasn't going to be the whole story of this show, because there were like four other generic ass looking people we had to get to. But that's something. That's something unique, you know? And that's something that I feel like is true to life. I feel like a lot of people, just from my experiences in, like, the K-pop fandom and stuff, a lot of times people do get into idols and and groups like that, when not suffering so much, but like they're feeling lonely, they feel disconnected. There's a huge ready made community for you, a huge sense of commitment and a something to give your life meaning. And I was like, oh, that would be an interesting plot. And then we go straight into him trying to find an adventurer's party. I'm like, ooh, maybe he'll find more idol fans. Well, that doesn't work. And then he ends up in a bar with like three randos who have completely different stories. And then we like never touch on this idol shit again. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. Again, maybe if that's an intro, that's fine. But then the thing we go into is girl with the big ass hat. Her hat has its own gravitational pull. (laughs) This is like the worst character design, I think, of the series. Even more so than like the more obviously sexualized ones. Because I'm just like, that hat just cannot stay on your little bean size head girl. Like, what the fuck is this? And she's got a big-ass hat. It sets up two things. One, that flashbacks are not properly set up. It took me a while to figure out when we were flashing back to anything. And she has her own kind of sob story where she was a student at a school that got into a scandal where it seemed like students were bribing teachers for grades. Uh, So she left the school while trying to find a job, fell into gambling debt. And then, you know, kind of squandered away her fortune. Which right. again, it's different. It's interesting if that's its own show. It has promise like the adventure to Otaku idol pop or idol Otaku pipeline. but we don't really get a whole lot of time to sit with it. The whole first episode just kind of feels like the misery hour. Then we get into the story of the priest who is falsely accused of rape, and I was just like, This show has no idea what it's doing. <laughs> like Exactly. By the time I felt like I was done with it, I didn't get to the backstory for the dragon girl, which seemed like it was also going to be way more traumatic than dude's girlfriend leaves him and party dad is like, you're kind of irresponsible, so we're kicking you out. The way that this is set up, it kind of makes you feel like the author feel like all of these are on comparable scales, which leaves a bad taste in my mouth for one thing, but is also just like, doesn't make sense. You know, like, there's also a really nasty sexist streak to this show between the, the false rape accusation. We get another, like, dream sequence with the lead's girlfriend. And I don't think it's supposed to be what actually happened. But she's basically like, I was just using you. Now my new boyfriend has the necklace you gave me. Ha ha ha, I'm a bitch. And I'm just like, what is the purpose of this? When we get to episode two, it just turns into a straight, like, Now we must learn how to work together. I'm like, this is just... There were germs of good ideas in here that just don't really go anywhere. I don't really know how to fully explain it. The ex-priest is actively offensive. But the rest of this is just, (laughs) like, boring and, like, nobody has ever written a plot before who worked on this. Because they're like, well, now we've got everybody's backstories. Now it's time for us to show them working together. It's like, that's not how compelling stories are written. And it kind of reminded me, actually, and I hated this movie and most people didn't. This kind of reminds me of the the Suicide Squad because there was a lot of this kind of, like, trauma dumping that all these characters were doing on each other. And I'm like, but that's not compelling. Right. Like, you realize that, right? That's not compelling. That's just you being like, well, I can behave like a dick because this happened to my mom when I was 12. It's like, no, that's... It's actually the exact opposite. Like, it, it does something that a lot of the anime in this section do is it feels like the anime wants us to care about these people way before we have any reason to. This is like the prime offender of it but Handyman Saito does it in the first episode too and I think in Handyman Saito it's a bit more jarring because it's a gag series that's kind of disorienting just because of how it's structured but here it's like the episode two like we're supposed to be really invested in the rivalry between Dragon Girl and Hat and I'm like, I just, I'm not. I don't know these characters, because Dragon Girl, we don't have the trauma backstory for yet. And Hat, we only know that she's an ex-gambling addict, and that doesn't seem to really inform her personality either. I did not expect to talk this much about this show, because overall, I think it's just average. Like, right. I just can't imagine anyone being entertained by it, because it's so boring. But, like, it's it just really doesn't work. Moving, moving on, because yeah. we got all... There's quite a few of these. I think I've, I'm trying to yeah. figure out which ones I haven't talked uh, about. Reborn. I talked about Ice Blaine, I talked about Reborn. I have nothing to say about Reincarnated uh, the Strongest Exorcist because that was terrible. Reborn to Master the Blade was, I would say, outside of Trigun Stampede, the best of these. And even that, I would put an asterisk next to because by episode three, it becomes obvious that they're going to really lean into how booby all these characters are, which sucks because, like... A female-led power fantasy is is unique for anime, especially this kind of anime. And there's, like, actual pacing here. It is a vaguely European fantasy setting, but they put some effort into making a new system of magic that's not video game-based or just completely ripped from other series. I really like the lead. I think she's very intelligent. She's fun. I like that her bloodthirstiness is seen as a detriment to a lot of people. She actually has friends like and those and there's fleshed out side characters. I like the kind of first arc villain we get with Raul. He's fucking terrible. And it even has some insightful things to say about how women are viewed in societies like this to throw that out immediately towards like the middle of episode 3 when our lead is an obvious teenager and they can put her in in shit that makes her boobs pop out and it's just like deep, deep sigh over here. I wrote that episode three is a five car pile up. And that's kind of a lot of twists. And then the sexualization kind of gets to be a bit too much, which sucks because the first two episodes are really fun and unique. And it, I just wish they had, you know, kept their eyes on the ball and seen what a special thing they had instead of of trying to sell it on TNA because I knew that was coming from the OP, which I was just like, oh my god, this OP is just boobs, 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 boobs. Which is weird for a show that, like, for the first two episodes, the lead characters are, like, no more than seven the entire time and not sexually treated in any manner. You know, at least we got two good episodes out of that. And Handyman Saito in Another World, I was not as high on this as most people are, and I think it entirely comes down to how they chose to structure it.
1: Right. There are
3: parts of episode two particularly, like, the bit about Saito talking about chests and showing how his team comes through for him to rescue him i think would have been a much better placed in episode 1 i also agree with teresa that the side stories that don't involve the handyman and his party are the worst parts of this especially the one in episode 2 with the like priest girl who seems to be sexually obsessed with wounds i was like this is completely unnecessary but i like the central characters i like the central concept I almost think this would have been better as a series of shorts. It either needed to have some connective tissue or they needed to rearrange these to make more sense as a narrative, I think. I like the characters a lot. I laughed quite a bit at this show. Once I started figuring out that's what they were doing, because it was very disorienting for me, like the first 10-15 minutes of the first episode. But once I figured out like who everyone was, like the longer I was with it, the more I enjoyed it. But... It was not a great showcase of the series' strengths that first episode, for sure. Finally, Trigun Stampede is, like, far and away the best thing from this season. Like, it's not even a contest. It looks cinematic great. It almost looks better than the Dragon Ball Super movie that came out last year, and it's a television show. I have few memories, aside from just knowing Trigun through pop culture osmosis of Trigon, because that's it's just been so long ago, and it was not one. I didn't watch it like I watched Cowboy Bebop or Sailor Moon. Nothing against it. It it was a great show. I like Slash It Doesn't Bother Me that they went in a completely different direction with the plot and decided to feed a lot of stuff up front. I know that's bothered a few people, and I can see that being a problem. If you're a huge fan of Trigon and you're like, oh no, they took away the mystery, that would be the sticking point for this. I feel like it's the only sticking point for this. Like, this is... Gorgeously animated, well-paced, great characters. Meryl's back. I'm sure Millie will show up again eventually. People need to calm down. I like the characters they've added. I love the way that this looks. This is the best anime CG, again, I think I've ever seen. Like, everyone is so rubbery, and they act like they're animated like the original cartoon, despite being CG. It's just extremely impressive on its face. I can tell what my favorites were because I have almost no notes for them. And Trigun, I think I stopped taking notes about three minutes into the first episode because I just wanted to sit there and watch this. So cannot recommend Trigun Stampede highly enough. Absolutely worth your time. Only thing I would say is that if you are extremely fond of the first series and feel like a new series or a reboot should follow the way it was plotted in a similar manner. It's not going to do that. A lot of stuff that was a secret or a unspooled surprise in the first series is pretty much laid out up front in the first episode, like that they're not, like that there's space travel, his brother's evil, spoilers for a nearly 20-year-old series. But other than that, I can't really, there's just no objections. That
0: was great. Alrighty, uh, Mike, what did you think about the action category? Or what we had to label as action?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I want to make that clear for our audience because some of these shows that fall a little bit more towards the fantasy isekai genre may or may not have diluted the the category. Only some that, like, ones towards the later half are a little bit better, but the Iceblade Sorcerer in Another World, honestly... If you're going to watch this one, I would recommend doing the dub because the actor who plays the bully character, the one who says normal, gives like one of the best, like over the top performances. And that's where I drew the Revenge of the Nerds comparisons, because outside of that, the rest of the show is like disposable. You've seen shows like this like a million times before. This one adds nothing new. Spy Classroom, I admit I like this a little bit more than the rest of the panel, but I will also concede that the teacher is probably one of the worst that I've seen. He's just very incompetent, and that's what made the first episode unintentionally hilarious at times. He had absolutely no idea what he was doing. And in hindsight, I kind of feel like the plot of the first three episodes could have been condensed to like oh my God, a, yeah. it felt like a lot of padding to get to something that could have been more interesting had it all been just a single twenty three minutes.
0: All I could think about was the Mystery Science Theater three thousand clip of the characters going like padding, 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 basically.
3: <laughs> Why were there so many like scenes and flashbacks? And then playing around in the bath.
0: Oh, we know why, we just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, I <laughs> exactly. know, like,
3: that's like the one of the clearest examples where they would always be like, the times we spend together, girl, you've known them for a day.
1: I <laughs> had uh, Kashi Triangle. I wrote down in my notes, if I had a nickel for every time an anime had a gender flip plot that's so wildly mishandled that it bungles any and all attempts at getting you emotionally invested in our main protagonist, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Especially but, this season, good lord! <laughs> what bothered me more about this one is, at least with Onami, they got like the ickiness like out of the way in like the first like two seconds, like so you knew that this was going to be garbage. Ayakashi was, you know, fine for most of the first episode, and then the gender flip happens. I'm like, oh, god damn it. Ninjin Fushin Adventurers Who Don't Believe in Humanity Will Save the World. I think I like the concept of this better than the execution. I think it is kind of a cool idea to have all these characters having like a party of all of these different adventurers who, you know, have lost their faith in humanity, but are learning to trust each other again. That's like a novel concept. It's just the first episode is brutal with the pacing and everyone except for the dragon lady bludgeoning you with their trauma and so much gaslighting too in each of their stories.
3: I didn't mention that, but there were multiple moments where I felt like they weren't telling the audience the whole truth. And like, if that's narratively intended, that's fine. But combined with the subject matter, it, was really unpleasant. Like, I don't mind being gaslit about the girl who had a gambling problem. I do mind if the narrative is gaslighting me about the priest who maybe raped a 12-year-old. That, we'll
1: get to that in a moment. The only reason I only watched two episodes of that is because, well, A, episode one was a lot, and two, there's only two episodes of the dub, so that's only as far as I went. The reincarnation of The Strongest Exorcist in the Worlds It's kind of no different than any other boring isekai, but again, just like Ice Blade, there's one character who is just like the absolute worst for no reason other than you don't have magic or your mom was a a hostess or whatever, so I'm going to be mean to you forever. And then he gets his ass kicked, and I cheered. Reborn to Master the Blade, from Hero King to Extraordinary Squire, I think out of all the izakai slash fantasy that we kind of shoved into the genre, this one is, I'd say, the second best. At least it tries to do something a little bit more interesting with its protagonist. I describe Inglis as pretty much a female Goku in terms of like her bloodlust and just generally wanting to become the very best. I like the first two episodes more than episode three because it does kind of as Haley said, devolve into boobs. But at least in the first two episodes, it does try to be a little bit more progressive in terms of its gender politics. But then episode three just kind of shows its hand. I do like most of the characters. I guess the main villain is another example of one of those petty assholes who is petty for petty reasons. The one I had the most fun with is Giant Beast of Airs because... Just, A, it's original, and I'll always stick up for great original anime that we get any season. But also, I just really like the world that they created, and all of the various creature designs are a lot of fun. And then just the interaction between our main characters. Like, these are characters you actively want to root for. I'm just fascinated to see where the story goes. Handyman's side to in another world. If I knew this was a gag comedy going in... This one's biggest problem, kind of like what Teresa and Haley got into, is the jokes are very hit miss. The stuff in the first episode with Saitu and Morlock, how his memory is just, like, deteriorating. Those were some of the funniest things I've seen all season. Especially when he's, like, the zombie mob. I died laughing at that. Episode two, when we find that other, those, like, side characters, it's like, there's definitely some red flags in that plot. I found this one mostly... Mostly entertaining, and it's one of the few isekai that's not a power fantasy, so that's nice. And then, of course, the best one is Trigon Stampede. Unless you're, like, super loyal to the original series, I have no idea why anyone is saying that this looks bad. The animation is top-notch. These characters are very expressive in this, like, 2D... 3D hybrid animation and just the story I'm fascinated with. I love the kind of western, Mad Max setting this is in. I'm very curious to know. I have never seen Trigon, at least not all the way through. So a lot of the story that being told is completely new to me, so I'm just very interested to see where this goes. Like, I won't go
0: too much into it, because I really agree. The Ice Blade Sorcerer shall rule the world and the strongest exorcist or the reincarnation of the strongest exorcist i'll get those out of the way first they are basically like the same kind of anime like the strongest sage with the weakest crest or the greatest demon lord reincarnated as a nobody yeah who remembers that one from last year (laughs) anyway they all
3: start blending together honestly
0: (laughs) they really do and it doesn't help that they all look so cheap. When I don't blame the animators. Animation industry is in ruins right now. It's like, I'm blaming the source material. These are not interesting stories, and by the third episode, they try to add something in for the male lead to kind of explain his backstory about who he is. But I don't care. The second episode has all that queer baiting at first. Wild and unpredictable. And I would... Forgive this show if it was all about that club with the muscular men. It would be like a a fantasy version of Cromartie High School.
1: Oh, that would have been fun.
0: And that sounds like a gag that they would do, kind of like how they did in the last episode of Cromartie High School, where they did a female version, and then they're like, now back to ordinary Cromartie High School. The main characters aren't interesting. The female leads aren't interesting. The little blue-haired psychopath is just the worst for no reason. And by the end of the third episode, he's like, I'm going to burn down a forest because this guy humiliated me. And it's just like, boy, I don't like these characters. Reincarnation of the Strongest Exorcist, I will say, it had that one little element about having a different magic system to use. That was interesting. I would have thought the show was going to go into that. It doesn't. It treats it like another Isekai I unintentionally laughed when I was watching the second episode because he was saying his name to a recruiter at the school. And I thought he said like, I'm sick and broke. And it's like, wait, what? (laughs) And this show, it's boring. There's nothing to it. Spy classroom. I was kind of fine with up until the third episode twist where they introduce an eighth girl that we do not see At any point within the previous two episodes. So it comes off. What? (laughs) Yeah, they introduce an eighth girl who's like part of this surprise move on like their target. And like they try to do that whole thing where it's like she came in around the same time or the day after everyone else showed up. And it's like, you did not think this through. This is just here to wrap everything up, to take care of the person that they were targeting. No, it was funny. I also looked up to see if this was like a mobile game adaptation or something, because by all the different designs and the characters, a lot more boob jokes, and I was kind of thinking that this serious post-World War One spy espionage thriller anime was going to have. And they're just not interesting. I forgot about half of the characters and their names. I was just like, wait, didn't we just see this? Oh, no, wait, no, never mind. And I already said about Ayakashi Triangle. It's a hot mess. I get what it's trying to do, but it's not good at doing it. The adventurers who don't believe in humanity or Ningen Fushin. I like the idea of the camaraderie between of people who feel rejected by the world. Like forming their own party to show them like, hey, we don't have to be the rejects of the world. Yeah, it's all execution. If you're going to introduce a false molestation or rape narrative into one of the characters backstory then you need to know how to do that you don't just drop it in because there's drama potential for it and it's, it's also a case of we are following the wrong character as the lead by the way I know the idol thing really doesn't show up again by the third episode but you do see the idol girl that he bonds with but There are things called bards. That's a fantasy version of an idol. They're called bards. Do you not play Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons or Dragon Quest or something like that? That bugs me so much when these stupid fantasy shows do not commit to their fantasy setting. They have to throw in streaming or idol stuff. And it's just like when they don't do that to anything else in the show, it's distracting as hell to me when they do that. The dragon girl was pretty much the best character and her backstory was the least absurd. She was like used as the tank, the scapegoat to her previous party that she thought was going to be the savior of the world party. And they just like, thank you. You're totally useless to us now, so bye. But it's all lack of execution with this show. I kind of like the idea that they made the healer character a male because that's so rare, even within like fantasy RPGs. It's usually the female character who's the healer, but his backstory sucks, it, which is a shame because I was kind of thinking of, I think it's called Lunar Eternal Blue that was on the PlayStation. And one of my favorite characters of that sh- game was the healer, who was his male character who had a really good backstory and such. Yeah, Reborn to Master the Blade. Did you guys know that this character has boobs? Because this show will not let go of that. It's like, at first, it's like, okay, fine, whatever, fine. I get it. You want to sell statues and figures of this character. You want to put them on pillows or whatever, or mouse pads. And it really does clash with the overarching political tone of the world. It's really interesting when it's just focusing on on that. And then the third episode's just like, hey, audience, do you know how hot the lead is? I don't think you do, so let me point it out. We're going to make sure you know how hot she is. It's absurd how they keep doing it. And the fourth episode is really solid and really interesting. It adds another layer to the political tension that's in this show, but it keeps derailing itself for fan service and like why can't these people just wear armor is there just a reason why they can't wear armor or is armor not going to look good on a statue that they're going to sell in stores and such and it also sucks that there's a way better izakai that does this whole show better just way better we'll talk about it next time but golly i feel bad because like i don't hate this show i kind of like it i just wish it was more serious and giant beast of ours Feels like one of those mid to late 90s PlayStation 1 RPGs that we never got, just without being a video game adaptation and all the nonsense that comes with that. Has a really cool pseudo-attack-on-Titan world without all the yikes that attack-on-Titan had going on with its plot. It has a bunch of likable characters, the action animation's really good, I like our lead, and the party that he starts to build with all the individual characters it's a really fleshed out world and they don't like take time to expound upon it and such it's just you get it within the first few minutes of seeing the world the characters the combat the threats just really cool show i definitely think it's one of the best of the season so far and yeah i agree about handyman Saito. I think if I knew it wasn't caught off guard that this was basically an Azumanga Daiho or a Cromarty high school style comedy or anime, it wouldn't be so jarring. But I do like that Saito is not a power fantasy character. He just brought a bunch of handyman tools with him. That doesn't make him, I'm going to be the savior of the world and such. And it's funny because then they're like, when he cuts a wire from this one trap, he cut through dwarf and steel like it was nothing. And it's just like, yeah, I got a pair of those in my parents' garage. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that's funny, and I actually do like the side characters, just because of the the flipping of the tropes, for at least right now. Like, the dwarf is a spellcaster when they're usually played, like, the barbarian or the fighter character. I mean, even the Dragon Age animated series couldn't avoid that trap. And I like the confused old wizard. I think a lot of his gags are the best. I like the night girl, but I do think she becomes exploited a little too much by the third episode because then they do that one trap where it's like, oh no, it's a legendary creature. It's a slime that only eats metal. So of course it falls on to the one female character who's wearing metal in the main party. Of course. And it's just like, okay, fine. I guess at least the sexual gags of this show are very short. I think that's maybe the saving grace of how scattered and gag and sketch driven a lot of this is. And I thought it was kind of cute how there's like the small girl and the guy duo and you think like, oh, the guy's going to pick up the ax and no, it's the girl, even though we've seen that trope before now also, but I thought it was still very novel. That the big buff guy was the mage thief character. The priestess with the elf fighter. Yeah, her thing is that like she gets aroused by blood and it's very weird. It's a, a yeah. lot of these gags are very awkward, very clunky. And that sucks because when it has a really good joke, it's really funny. Like when they make the heroes party in the third episode, they're just like, well, yeah, he's not really all that interesting, but he's good looking. Let's do the sword and the stone gag where it's (laughs) all set up and like there's a claw at the bottom of the sword. When he gets up there, you just release the blade. And then with the female spellcaster character in the hero's party, her stats were not all that interesting, but they're like, well, she's cute though. So let's just throw her in. And then the priest character oh my gosh, I love the nepotism joke that comes with him. Because he's just like, he's not really good looking, and he's his stats aren't anything special. And then the trio of old guys that are talking about making the heroes party, it's like, yeah, well, that's my nephew. And then they're like, well, he's super smart! There's some really cool stuff. I think it needs a better story that connects everything, but I enjoy it more than I think this panel does but i get it because it sets itself up to be just another izakai thing but it's really jarring when it's more jokes and comedy driven and such trigun stampede is the best i don't know why people bet against studio orange they do b-stars they did land of illustrious they did the cgi for that netflix godzilla anime series why do y'all keep thinking that they're going to land with a dud sooner or later. It's frustrating. And also, why hasn't Studio Orange made a movie yet? You think that with the super detailed animation that they put into these characters, that you would think it would be a movie. But it's not. It's just movie grade quality CGI animation put into a TV show and they're somehow making it work. Mostly because I think Studio Orange is one of the few studios that gets to do whatever they want. Or they get projects that they take at their own time, like Geo Annie. They can do whatever they want. Probably one of the few studios that do things at their own pace. Yeah, sure. The mystery's gone. You've had 25 years to watch the show. It's readily available on Crunchyroll. You can watch the original right now. Anybody well, can watch it. Yeah, so if that's really why you're going to be upset about it, you need to find a new criticism because I dismiss that criticism. I don't think that's a good one to have. And it's not like the original anime actually followed through on the manga. And plus, if this was more loyal to the original source material, y'all would complain about that. Anime fans in general would complain about them pulling a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is getting to be a really tired debate too of like, oh, the Original Full Metal is better. No, it's Brotherhood. And it's just like, just like whatever you like. Like, good lord, people. But I also do like that the dub brings back Johnny Young Bosch. Like, I just yes. think he's real, Like, That was really I nice. I do think this show would have gotten a lot more hate if they did not bring back Johnny Young Bosch. He just has that much goodwill with the character. And I love that first fight when the military guy pulls out a rocket launcher and it's going to rain missiles and he's like Vash is going to shoot the missiles and he realized he has no bullets. So he's scattering around like, for the love of God, someone giving me a bullet, just any bullet or just one that fits into this gun, please. And everyone's just like, now mm-hmm. we're bailing. Bye. <laughs> and Wolfwood, they bring him back. He comes into the fourth episode. He is delightful. And yes, they do kind of reveal his backstory and his special weapon. the You know, the big cross. But again, You've had 25 years to read the manga. It's readily available right now, just like the show. So don't come at me about like this thing ruining the mystery for everything. Who cares? I, I've seen so many articles being like, Trigun Stampede ruins another surprise. And it's just like, this is basically an entirely re- from the ground up reimagining of the franchise.
3: Not to mention that, again, this show is 20 to 25 years old. It's not a surprise anymore.
0: I mean, I get it. There was that point early on in like the internet age where there were some movies and shows you kept the twist secret. That was your John Carpenter's The Thing, Cabin in the Woods, From Dusk Till Dawn. You don't talk about the second half of that movie before you sit down and watch it. And there needs to be better media criticism than, oh, this is not just like the original show. Because there are worse things going on in the anime industry right now, like that stupid Studio Wit Netflix anime short that uses AI to do background work. Way to bring that short up right when Trigun Stampede is running to show just how terrible that CGI looked for that short. Just go watch Trigun, man. Just watch it. It's so good. But watch both shows. They're great. That third episode of when you finally see how big of a threat Vash's brother is it's scary absolutely terrifying and i love so many lines like when everyone else is crying and bash is smiling and meryl is like why aren't you crying it's like you're a monster and he's just like i don't deserve to cry and it's just like like on an emotional level that hit me because i absolutely get where he's coming from and again studio orange They're the masters of CGI animation. I wish other studios were getting as good as them, but Studio Orange is putting in that extra effort to make the CGI not look clunky. That is it for this batch of episodes, because next time we'll be talking about the fantasy isekai section, as messy as that's going to be, and the other category, which is just a bunch of shows that did not have enough to make for their own category. But how are we feeling so far about
1: winter 2023? So far, it's off to an interesting start. I pretty much have a top three like solidified. In the next episode, we'll do top five. But today, I think top three is going to be super easy because these three shows are ones that I would recommend to just anyone, whether you're a Die in the Wool anime fan who's, like, there every season, or you're a casual audience member who who just wants something compelling to watch. And I'll reveal those in a second. But, Haley, overall, your thoughts on Winter 2023
3: so far? Uh, I feel like, just so far, it's just kind of boring, honestly. Dragon's a lot of fun. Endo and Fomayashi Live is fun. There's a couple other ones that are fun, but, like, almost everything outside of Trigun and Kobayashi and weird moments in Ice Blade Sorcerer, just feel really devoid of life and very slow. So I'm hoping that maybe it's just the way we structured the episodes and the next podcast will have a lot more stuff that feels, like, vibrant and like there's something behind it. But overall, this was... I don't say this is the sloggiest slog we've ever had to go through because summer is always a pain and is just always like the worst for this kind of stuff. This is a pretty, when I said that action was a pretty dire batch, I think overall this is actually a pretty dire batch of stuff. I'd recommend Trigun without reservations and a couple other things with like an asterisk next to them, but I'm not super enthusiastic about anything outside
0: of Trigun. Right. Teresa, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I was trying to think about other winter seasons and I think some of them have been stronger, but some of them also have been worse. So I think in general, everything was mostly watchable, honestly, even not problematic, but I could watch it. It looked good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like, I'm going to die if I keep watching another episode about almost any of these. So in that way, I think it's a slight improvement in terms of like the state of The season, anime. I am hoping the other categories will just like bring it home and make it stronger though. Um, And yeah, definitely like Trigun, Giant Beast, R's, And I know it's hard with that, but I wouldn't have to go with Tomo Chan as a girl. Those are my three. And I just really think it comes down to stronger writing overall and just something more interesting and i think winter has it has promise of that but it still has the same problem that all the other seasons have is i feel like they're just trying to get something out the door and they haven't quite thought some of it through or they're just trying to go for what you know fan service and i personally prefer anime that tries to go outside the box and be a little creative
0: yeah i will say I think it was just how we formatted this episode because the next one has a few bad ones, but it's mostly pretty solid stuff, especially when we get to Kaina of the Great Snow Sea, the Fire Hunter, the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. That one was just one of the best of the winter season so far. And of course, Buddy Daddy's, will be in the next one and campfire cooking in another world with my absurd skill is probably MAPPA's most charming show, which is interesting to say because it's MAPPA. Yeah. If I had to pick a three, I would choose Trigun Stampede, Giant Beast of Ours, and Endo and Kobayashi Live. Honorable mention going to the ice guy and his cool female colleague and
1: Tomo-chan is a girl. So my top three are Trigun, Endo and Kobayashi, and probably Tomo-chan is a girl, with honorable mentions going to a giant piece of ours and the ice guy and and his cool female colleague. Uh, Haley, what would you choose?
0: Even if you had to put an asterisk next to them.
3: Yeah, so Trigun is the top, and I would say... I think everyone's been pretty consistent. I think my next two would be Endo and Kobayashi, and then Tomo-chan is a girl.
0: Alrighty. So next time we'll be talking about the other anime from this winter season. So we'll see you all
1: next time. All right. Until then, Haley. Where can everyone find you online?
3: Do not find me. I am <laughs>
1: unfindable.
3: <laughs> I. Like the guy from Kubo won't let me be invisible. Cannot even open doors. I am so invisible. No, I'm kidding. But uh, you can always shout at me in the Renegade Pop Culture Facebook group if you have very strong feelings on
1: girls in spy classrooms or whatnot. And Teresa, where can everyone find you?
2: Uh, You can find me on most social platforms at Teresa Electro. And yeah, if you have opinions, let me know.
1: And Cameron, where can everyone find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at camsiview. I also have a Hive account in the same name. I have a website called camsiview.biz where I review animated films and shows from around the world. Called the Other Side of Animation. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com/camsiview. That's where you can find me. And you guys
1: can find me on Twitter and Hive at Captain K42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com/slash Coach K42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser, on the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. In need an escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.